All right, welcome. We're so glad you're here. So glad you're watching online. This is week two of our series called Move. And here's what we are doing. We are looking at familiar narratives with new insights. And maybe for some of you, these are not familiar narratives. That's great because you're already going to be like, what's in this? What's this all about? And you'll be curious. Some, somewhere along the line, you don't think this through, we lose our curiosity when it comes to Scripture and what we're reading and the deepness and richness of it. That's all what this is about. And, and like I said last week, we're using uh, what the Jewish community would use as how they would study the Bible. And these are their four things they would use. And we are focusing on that second one, which is the remez. Uh, links what is going on to something in the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures. So when you're reading... You're in the New Testament, you're Matthew, and you're like, uh, does this have to do with anything? Yes. There's probably a link in there to something in the Old Testament. Now, for most of us, we look at the Old Testament like, I, I don't get any of that. I'll just stay in the New. It's, it's, it's easier. We might understand it better. But there's something that links it that's going to make it even deeper and richer than it was before. That's the whole point of this. I told you last week, my journey started with this, Okay. The, the Bible in picture for little eyes, okay? I don't know what your little kid's Bible was. If you started following Jesus that young, if your parents made sure there was something in your hand as a kid, you had something like this that introduced you to the stories in Scripture and then built from there to where we are today. And all you find is it is deeper and richer than you could ever imagine. Now, why is that important? I'm just going to throw out this why like every week and just drive us all crazy, right? Why, why does that matter? Because we go through dry seasons. You ever been in one of those? Maybe some of you are in those right now. You get in one of those dry seasons where it feels like your prayers aren't going anywhere. You just, you know, there's just a lot going on in your life and you feel a lot of pressure and it's just dry. And, and you wonder, does my faith even matter? Does what I do even matter? Does does coming on Sunday morning even matter? Somebody had to just drag yourself here because you're in one of those dry seasons. And it's okay. Because in the midst of the dry season, what God would love to do is reintroduce you to something new and fresh and give you some new perspective on something. That is what he loves to do in those dry seasons. So if you're in one of those, please don't sink your head. Don't stay away. Don't feel guilty embrace what God wants to teach you during this time, that you would understand that God has such refreshing in store for us that we can come to him all the time, even in those dry seasons, and he will refresh us and give us something new. This morning, and just like throughout all these passages, that's what I'm praying for us, that we would experience something new. And God has a very interesting way, if you've not figured this out, of answering our prayers. I was with a group of pastors this last week, and we were talking. Um, one of the things they know and are praying for us, whether you know this or not, there are other pastors in this community. We pray for each other's churches. Uh, we pray for what's going on in each other's place. And so they're praying for our church. They're praying for what's going on here as we search to bring, uh, to find someone who will lead us in worship on a consistent basis every week. And I said, you know, it's interesting. While that's continuing to be my prayer, God has answered that in a different way by really bringing out all of us in singing better. That's what people notice when they walk in the room, whether you realize that or not. We've had visitors here who have recognized, wow, 
people are singing, they're engaging. Yeah, that's an answered prayer, okay? Now, that's not the answer I wanted, okay, at the particular moment, but God has been faithful all along the way, and it's the first Sunday of the month, which means Mandy is here helping us and leading us and taking charge of all that, and we appreciate every single person that does that for us, and that's a way that God has been answering that prayer. So, Just remember, God might answer your prayer in a different way if you're in a dry season and you're asking him to work in your life. So today we want to move from passive to active. What I'm going to refer to as a passive belief, like James talks about, where he says, oh, you believe there's one God? Well, that's great. Uh, The demons believe that, okay? And they're afraid. Uh, What are you doing about that faith? So from a passive just I believe to an active faith, I am doing something because of what I find. So that's what I want you to think about as we dive in this morning to, again, a very familiar passage. And this is going to be a story within a story. And it's the within the story part that we're going to take all our focus on this morning. It's found in Matthew chapter 9, verse number 18. You'll also find it in the book of Luke. The same story with a few more details in it. And you can follow along on the screen if you're watching online. You can follow along in the room up on the screen or open the scriptures and follow along with us. Here we go. And he, as he was saying these things, a leader came and bowed low before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. I mean, you got to understand this was going on all the time. They watched what Jesus did. And so they just come up to him. Hey, I, I know what you can do. Okay. My daughter just died, and normally we would just have a funeral, but not today. Not today because you're in town. you got to come. Because if you come and lay your hands on her, everything will be different. That's how people approach Jesus all the time. All the time. We know you can do it. Today's a different day because you're in town and you are here. So Jesus' disciples got up and followed him. They went to his house. But, and this is our story within the story. Maybe you've heard this before. But a woman who'd been suffering from a hemorrhage, some of your translations will say an issue of blood, because we really don't know what was going on. We just know that she had this issue, which, by the way, could have made her unclean. And if you're unclean, guess what you don't get to go to? You don't get to go to church or their their world synagogue. You were on the outside. You couldn't go to the temple uh, in Jerusalem when it was time for Passover. You couldn't do those things. You were always on the outside. So perhaps she is unclean for 12 years. So sometime in her life this started, and for 12 years this has been going on. Nobody can help her. Nobody can do anything. And she is desperate for somebody to help her. So she comes up behind him, and she touched the edge of his cloak. For she kept saying to herself, if only I touch his cloak, I will be healed. Now, that's important. We're going to go back to this. And so what is she doing? And why is she doing it? And maybe you just read it over. Maybe, maybe like me, you grew up in Sunday school where the teacher took flannel graph, okay? And he had a, you took the flannel graph of the woman, you laid her down, and she's like diving like you dive for an end zone, okay, just to touch the bottom of his thing. That, that's the visions you get of this. And when, when you find out what it is, you're like, That makes way more sense, okay, than the way I've been thinking about it. So if only I touch that, I will be healed. But when Jesus turned and saw her, okay, so she does this, 
It says, have courage, daughter. Now watch what he says to her. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was healed from that hour. When Jesus entered the leader's house. So he's just gone on. I mean, it is just continues on, okay? He heals her. She, she is healed because of what she does. And we're going to talk about what she does. He just continues on. When they entered the house, saw the flute players, the disorderly crowd. He said, go away for the girl is not dead but asleep. And they began making fun of him. But when the crowd had been forced outside, he went in, gently took her by the hand, and the girl got up. And the news of this spread throughout that region. I wonder if it was the news about both. What the woman did and the, the raising up of this leader's daughter. That, that it was both those things that was spread throughout the land that this is amazing. What is going on is not what we've experienced before. Something is happening. Something amazing is taking place. So have you ever asked, what did the woman touch? And then why did she do it? I mean, we hear the, the edge of the garment. That's, that's, what, that's what we hear. We hear like the, the bottom of, of whatever they wore in those days. That, that's what we hear. And that's what we get a picture of because we don't know. We, we didn't live then. We didn't walk then. Our, our clothes, you know, we would just assume someone's grabbing the bottom of our pants, okay? That's what we would assume when, when we read this story. But what did she touch and why did she do it? And to help us understand, you have to go to Numbers chapter 15. Because in Numbers 15, it tells the Israelites to do something. And this is going to help us understand what's happening here and what is going on. So speak to the Israelites and tell them to make castles for themselves on the corner of their garments. So I start thinking, corners, okay? What, what on earth does this have to do? So a good friend of mine who had been given this by someone in his church, let me borrow it so that we could understand what this is like. This is a Jewish prayer shawl. So if you can see the way this is, this is, okay, this would be a long rectangle, okay? Look what's on the corners of this, okay? It's called tassels. That's what these are. If you could see these, there are five knots on here because this would help them understand the books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Torah, as they would call it. And they would wear this. They would have this so that they would remember. This is all about a God who is very visual. Sometimes we get all up in our heads. We got to believe the right thing. So you need to understand God's a very visual God. And he helps at times put things in terms so that we can understand it. So we're talking tassels on the corner of the garment. I'm not going to put this on. I have never done this, so I've never worn one before. I do not want to totally mess this up and offend a whole bunch of people. I, I want you to understand what this is like, what, what he was wearing. If you've ever watched The Chosen, if you've ever watched other shows that try to historically uh, be very accurate with those days, then you will see, uh, for example, in The Chosen, uh, Season 2, Episode 1, when Jesus is in the synagogue and he is reading, he is wearing something very similar to this. And you can see the tassels on the corner. So 
He's walking through town. He has something like this on. There are his tassels. And this is what the woman is touching. She is touching the tassels or the tzitzis, if you want to know the Hebrew word, of his garments. Believing if I touch this, I will be healed. I will be healed. Now, that would be pretty remarkable in and of itself to know what it was that Jesus was wearing and what she was touching so that she would be healed. In fact, if you've ever read this out of Luke, when she does it, Jesus stops and says, who touched me? And the disciples are all going, are you kidding? Do you know how many people are around you? This is a big crowd. What on earth are you talking about? Because he knew someone had touched the tassels in order to be healed. That they had done this in order and believing that if they had touched this, they would be healed. Now, the question is, why did she think that? Why did she think that touching the tassel of this garment would make any difference? That, that's what you have to start asking. Did she just wake up one day and say, you know what? I think if I do that, it would actually make a difference. No. As I told you before, it's in the text. You're going to get sick of this every week. It's in the text. There is an Old Testament reason, now Hebrew scripture reason, that she did this. So I asked you last week to think of really young. Think of Mara. Mara's five years old. That at five years old, you are already in school learning to read, write, but most importantly, you're learning Torah. You're learning Torah. You're learning the entire Hebrew scripture. On top of that, learning the entire Hebrew scripture, which, by the way, they were amazing at knowing this. You're in synagogue every week, and it's being explained to you by the rabbi in the synagogue what this passage means. So I want you to consider somebody really young, that this woman was really, really young. And at a really, really young age, she's been learning Torah. She does not have a Bible in front of her. She doesn't have the YouVersion app to pull out and go, what was that verse again? Okay, she doesn't have any of that. It's all up here, and it's all from sitting in synagogue, listening to the lessons being taught to her. That's what she has. And one of those lessons would have been from the book of Malachi. And in Malachi 4.2, we read this. And when you understand this, you know, you're going to find in this verse, this verse is part of a Christmas carol we sing every year. And perhaps for the first time you might understand, why do we sing that? Because in the truth, sometimes we just sing words. We sing words. They don't mean, th I don't know, it, it sounded pretty. Okay, it sounded pretty. It rhymed. It rhymed. That was the important part. It rhymed. What if it actually has meaning? So Malachi 4.2, think of sitting in synagogue at some point of age, and the rabbi standing up and reading from Malachi, and then begin to explain that when Messiah comes, when God's anointed king comes, this will be true of him. But for you who respect my name, the son of vindication will rise with healing in his wings, or with healing wings. And you will skip about like calves released from the stall. You're like, well, well that's nice. Do you, do you know what wings are? It, it's, it's, a, it's a weird translation. Do you know these are wings? 
the core of the garment, the, ca- the tassel, the tzitzit, are what is called wings. So again, what, why, you know, we, we've probably read that and probably, uh, more importantly, we've sang it. Every Christmas, if you've ever said, Hark the Herald's Angels Sing, we sing, He is risen with healing in His wings. We've actually sang about what the woman did this whole time. And probably most of us were just like, I don't know, Charles Wesley was rhyming stuff, okay? He's just pulling stuff out. But you need to understand what's in this girl's mind. What's in this woman's mind who has now had this issue of blood and nobody can help her and every doctor has told her, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. Then she hears one day that God's anointed king is here and he has been in all the land and people are being healed and he is preaching and people are coming to repentance and all these amazing things are taking place. All these incredible things are happening. And then she hears the news that this man, whose name is Jesus, who we all think is God's anointed king, is now in our town. And what does she go back to? Sitting in synagogue, having the rabbi read Malachi and say, guess what? When Messiah comes, there's healing in his wings. So she goes out and says, if I just touch his tassels, I could be healed. I could be healed. And she's healed. We shouldn't marvel at that. We should understand she simply knew her text. And instead of just knowing it or memorizing it or someone saying, hey, can you tell us what's in the book of Malachi and reciting it, she actually did what it said, which is even more amazing. She did what it said for her to do. If he's really the Messiah, if he's really God's anointed king, if he's really the chosen one, if he's really the one that has been sent, then this could be the day. The day that I'm finally not unclean anymore. The day I finally don't have to deal with this disease anymore. The day I don't have to deal with everything that's been happening in my life. The day I could actually be healed. She knows the text. This is what I ultimately want you to understand. She knows the text. And more importantly, because let's face it, a lot of us in the room, we know lots of different parts of the text, of the scripture. But she acts on the text. When is the last time you acted on the text and actually did what it said to do? Instead of ignoring it, oh, it's 2,000 years old, I don't know if it's really relevant. Instead of doing that, what if we actually just did what it told us to do and see the difference that that makes in our life. Just like the woman that day, acting according to the text that she knew and choosing not to disbelieve, maybe he's the Messiah. Maybe he's the chosen one. Maybe he's the one that we're told about in synagogue. Maybe he's that one. I'm not just going to, believe it. I'm going to act on him being just that. So if you would, if have reached this yet, and if you haven't, come on, no guilt, no guilt. But in our 40 days, in your, in your book, you found this statement by Mark Battison, that we are educated beyond our level of obedience. Okay. Very convicting day. 
If you were like me, you're like, oh, what's the next thing, okay? You, come on, come on, you can be honest, all right, it's church, okay? And you went to the next page because it is convicting because you sit there and go, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's me. I might know the Greek, I might know the Hebrew, but I actually might not actually do what it says. We have so much education, we know so much of the text, we have it so available to us. But do we actually do what it tells us to do and actually carry that out? See, faith acts on the promises we have in Scripture. We don't just believe. And by by the word believe, I'm not talking about when the Scriptures tick about because they are really talking about more of an act of trust in Christ. I'm saying when we just throw around that word, like, oh, I got the right doctrine, I got the right orthodoxy, the right doctrine in place. I believe all the right things. That's great. Do you actually have the other part of the equation, which is fancy word is orthopraxy? You actually do what it tells you to do and live that way. What about last week? What about last week when we talked about forgiveness? Isn't that hard? Isn't that difficult? How many walked away with, wow, that Man, Ed, that's a pretty good sermon. You don't understand my situation. I can't forgive that. Yeah, if I could just explain it to you, you would tell me I don't have to. And so we go on. We, we know we're supposed to. We believe we're supposed to. We believe that Jesus came and Jesus died and Jesus did everything for us. None of us have a problem in this room. None of us have a problem in watching online. None of us have a problem with belief. That's not our problem. Our problem is actually doing what it says. It isn't hearing the sermon on forgiveness. It's actually forgiving. Because that's hard. And that's difficult. And that's, oh, you don't understand. the, The hurt and the bitterness that has just sunk into our lives, we don't recognize how free we would be if we would let Jesus open up that prison door that we've pulled ourselves into with our unforgiveness. We don't know how great it might be. But for that woman that day, she acted on the promises she had in Scripture. She didn't just believe. What would that have done for her? You know, standing out the window, Jesus going by, oh, I believe you're the Messiah. Right? Well, that'd be wonderful. That'd be one. Her stories, her stories in Scripture, and Jesus looks at her and says, "You have faith," because she actually did it. She actually did it. She went out and touched the tassels with her feet. When's the last time you done that? Actually acted on what the Scriptures told you. Because that's ultimately what I want you to walk out of here with this morning. Not not I can recite this story, and not it's really cool. Because it is really cool when you understand it. But it's, it happened because she acted on what was truth. She didn't just believe it, she did it. That's my question to you. Are today you willing? step over that line from passive belief to an active faith that actually does what scripture tells us to do. 
whether it's forgiving other people, forgiving our enemies, whether it's the radical hospitality of welcoming strangers and being hospitable to everybody, whatever it might be that you keep running across in your notes and go, wow, that's a nice idea. Yeah, they're even better when they're lived out. Because when we do that, we have the kingdom actually come let me pray for us this morning. Then we're going to take communion together. We're going to hold that cup and the bread. We're going to ask you to come up. I'm this section on this side. I'll be over here. Dave Chapman will be over here. Uh, come and grab those. Head back to your seats. We'll eat and drink together. Um, that You'll be reminded again. And we would act upon what the truth is and what we need to do. Let's pray. Father, this morning I really pray with all the with all the coolness of this story and this incredible uh, prayer shawl that we wouldn't lose its bigger meaning. We are so, so, so passive in this thing called Christianity, in this thing called following Jesus. We are so passive. We just don't act. We just don't do. We believe all the right things. And we pride ourselves. And I believe all the right things. I have all the right doctrine. I have everything lined up. None of that matters without faith that acts on what the text says we do. So I pray, Father, we would not just be hearers of the word, but doers. We'd actually do what it says, and we would see the difference that makes. And we pray now that you would just quiet our hearts and lives as we take the cup and the bread, as we eat and drink together, as we celebrate all that you have done for us. You are such a good, good father. We worship you for that. And we thank you for being an example of a woman who believed the text and did it and stayed. And may we do the same thing this morning. Act on the text. Bless this time. In Jesus' name.